about me looking good as God's mirror. God looks good in me as a mirror. That's who looks good. I don't praise the mirror. I praise God who I'm reflecting in the mirror. God is the big one in my life. Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Scott Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Give a big hand clap to those that are watching us on podcast, letting us in their homes or cars, wherever you're at. Thank you so much for allowing us to do that. And don't forget about our daily Bible study. Me and my brother do. It's Monday through Friday. It's called Wake Up. It's the number one daily Bible study out there. We start your day off with some encouragement with a scripture. We pray over your day, Monday through Friday. And all you have to do is go to YouTube. You can go to Facebook and just type in daily, uh, Wake Up Daily Bible Study, and we come on up there. And uh, it's just a great way to start off, kick off your day. So a farmer goes into a lawyer's office. He says, I want to get one of them divorce A things. A lawyer says, all right, uh, do you have grounds? Uh, farmer says, well, of course I got grounds. I got about 1,000 acres. He says, no, 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 do you, do you have a case? He said, no, I don't have a case. I have an old John Deere. He said, no, no, do you, do you have a, a grudge? He goes, well, of course I got a grudge. That's where I keep the John Deere. I park it in my grudge. He says, no, no, no. Do you have a suit? He, uh, you need to have a lawsuit. He says, well, I got a church suit. I don't know if I got a suit for a law or anything else. He said, Did, okay, does she do anything? Like, does she, does she ever beat you up? He goes, of course not. I get up at 4.30 in the morning. She don't get up till 6. No, she don't beat me up. He says, what in the world is wrong with the marriage? I don't, what's going on? He goes, well, she's horrible at communicating. Come on, somebody out there. Open up your Bibles to Matthew 5.13 today. Sounds like a lot of us men out there. Matthew 5.13. We're in our series called Influencer. You and I were designed to influence. It's what we're designed to do, to go forth into our world and to lead our world, to guide our world into all truths. This is the last thing that Jesus said to do, so it must be important. He said, go out into the world and make some disciples. Make some people and show them what a great life looks like. Our staple scripture for this series is in Matthew. It says, you are, somebody says, I am the salt. I'm salt. I am. I am salty. I don't know if anybody else out there is salty. I go into my day and I am salty when I walk into Walmart. I am salty when I go on down to the Burger King. Wherever I go, I am salty, meaning that I enhance it. I add flavor to it. I make it better. When you go to the job, you go to the business, even when you come on back home, your job is to be salty that it becomes better, becomes more flavorful. God doesn't want a bland earth. He wants an earth that's got some flavor to it. So you and I, we go forth into whatever we are. It could be into the junior high. It could be in the high school, college. Wherever I go, I seem to bring a flavor of God into those circumstances of my life. We talked about last week that it's not about becoming popular and famous as most people strive for today. They're, they're working hard. I, I got to get on top. And God says, no, no, don't worry about getting on Jesus said that. We talked about last week. He said, no, no, go low. I'll take you high. Don't try and get the best seat. Get the low seat and I'll take you to the high seat. See, it doesn't become about me and what I achieved. It becomes what God achieved through me. That when I allow God to take me high, I go way higher than I could ever take myself in my own life. Anytime that we fight and we try and, and to get ourselves on top, 
stop and we got to claw our way and try trying to have our own breakthrough of our limits of our life. It seems like we always hit a wall we can't go through. But when I allow other people to be on top and I help other people achieve their dreams and I help other people go higher, God then takes me and he takes me higher than I could imagine that I could go in this earth. You know, it's not all about how many views and how many likes you get. It was funny because I showed up to do our wake up uh, uh, this last week and Gene, our producer, and I, first thing I always ask, I'm like, all right, how many views and how many likes did we get? And Gene goes, do you remember I heard a pastor this weekend talk about <laughs> that it's not about the views and the likes? And I said, well, that's for them and not for me. How many views? <laughs> How many views and likes we got? Amen, amen. Write these down. I'm going to give you some things today. Um, but I do want to talk about, before I get you to number one, is that our job is to be what I call the mere principle today. And you could even write that down so it kind of stays in front of you. It's the mere principle that I am a mirror, and whatever I focus on is what I reflect back. If I focus on the things of this world and what the world says is important, if I focus on dark, guess what I reflect? I just reflect dark. But if I want to be a light, then I got to focus on God and I just reflect back everything about God into the world that I am. So as he gives me his mercy, I give mercy. As he gives me his love and his encouragement, as he pours out his joy and his peace, everything that God gives to me, I simply reflect it back into my world, into the job, into my children, into, my, into everything around me. As God has forgiven me my stuff, I still offer forgiveness wherever I go so that when you look at me, you see God. That's my goal. That's what I try to do all the time. Don't always achieve it, but it's what I want to do, and it should be our goal. That when you look at each and every one of our lives, you see something different. You don't see the same junk that everybody else is showing. Instead, you show something amazing, something awesome. And so as I go forth into my day, when you look at me, you see Christ. It's not what I do. It's what Christ is doing through me. Isn't this kind of what Jesus said? Once again, we try to go high, and God says, no, don't go high. And even Jesus said that. Throw that next scripture up there for me, Betsy. The next scripture is in John 8, 54. Jesus said, if I glorify myself, in other words, if I try to make myself bigger, my bigness, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim as your God is the one who makes me big. Once again, I don't make myself large. Even Jesus said, I don't make myself big. When I go forth in the world, it's not about me trying to be important. It's not about me trying to be on top. Instead, I allow God to be the one that's going to take me higher. By doing what? By doing what Jesus said, I do what my Father does. When you see my, me, you see my Father. And this is what we should do. When you look at me, you see God's goodness. You see God's love. You see God's encouragement. Everything that God gives me, I'm no more than a reflection of God. Number one, write this down. Number one, make it about God. It's not about me, but instead it's about Christ in me. John 3.30, uh, you got... Uh, uh, John the Baptist is talking here. He said, he must, he's talking about Jesus, me, must become greater and greater, and I must become less, and I must be less. Jesus was the same way. He's like, I want God to be big. When God is big, it changes the world. You know, I don't want, you know, we can go through our day and, and talk about all the things that we do, or we can give God the credit that God deserves. I don't need my kids to see how big and large in charge I am. I'd rather my kids see how big God is working through my life. 
I grew up with a dad who whenever anything happened that was good, it was always God did this. God did that. Look what God did. My dad never said, oh, look what I did. Hey, guys, look what I accomplished. Look how many cars I saw. Look how I was. It was always, look what God did through my life. And when you grow up in that atmosphere, then now, all of a sudden, come on, somebody out there, now it's God. I go into my teenage years and my college years knowing how big God is. If God was in my dad's corner, guess what he's going to do in my corner? Guess what he's going to do in my life? And so I, I think it's important as you go around your parents, siblings, your job, your office, wherever you go, it's all about making God look big. I make God look large. I make God look in charge. I thought it was interesting, and uh, I don't know why. I should know more, but I didn't. Uh, you know, because God changes names in the Bible all the time, right? Abram to Abraham, you see it all the time. So uh, God's changing names. I, so I always thought that God changed Saul's name to Paul. I always, I always thought that. Come to find out, Paul changed his own name. I didn't know that. I thought, he, I, and then you study it out and you find out that the word Saul back then meant magnificent. It was big. It was large in charge. It was what the, the emperors and those people, they called their children and named their children. The name Saul was just this big name. And Saul changed his name on his own to Paul, which means small and insignificant at the time. Who changes their name from big to Scott or to small? How, who, who does that? Because... Paul didn't want to make it all about Paul. He said, I'm going to come in small, and I'm going to let God be big. And now, who will we talk about more than just about anybody 2,000 years later? Who did so much great work that God was able to go through? Paul was always giving God the credit. And I think it's important that you and I live a life of constantly Giving, you know, when you're giving God credit, it's hard not to be thankful and grateful. You begin to see the small things that God does. We don't miss all the little miracles. Come on, somebody out there. There's so many little miracles that we miss every day when God is smiling down. Surprisingly, this last week, I went to Taco Bell. I know that was very surprising. And at the end of the order, she said, uh, you know, which sauce, would you like to have some sauce? And I said, as always, I'd like to have five hot sauces. There was a pause, and she said, you know, we, we ran out of hot sauce. And I went, ah. I said, that's fine. I said, I, I love the hot sauce. I said, but I'll, I'll take the mild sauce. I pull, get all finally out of the window, and she kind of whisked. She goes, you know what? I dug back in the back area. There was exactly five hot sauces in the back. And I go, you know why? She goes, why? I said, because God loves me. She goes, what? I said, yes. At the beginning of the day, God was thinking about me and knew that I wanted five hot sauces, and he moved heaven and earth so I could have my hot sauce today. And she kind of looks, she goes, yeah, okay, right? And we didn't have a Billy Graham moment, and we didn't get her saved at that time or something big. But a seed was planted of how big my God is and even the smallest details of my life. And so I am constantly finding ways within my family, my home. Number two, make God look good. To always make God look good. Always make him good. You know, we say things throughout the day, look what I did. Or we'll say things like, oh, I just got lucky. Yeah, I just got lucky. You know, I, I just got, I caught a good break. 
Just simply change that. I didn't get lucky. I got the Lord's favor on my life. I didn't catch a break. I got a breakthrough from my God. Right? It wasn't that things just happened to turn around. The universe blessed me. No, the universe did not bless you. There was a God of God that's in heaven that thought about you and got you exactly that little breakthrough that you needed. Give God the credit for your life. We go to, about once a year, I go out to a big uh, pastor's conference. And, uh, you know, it's, I think I said this last week, and I'm not saying all pa pastors can get caught up in the moment also. Not all, but there's a group oftentimes at these conferences where it's, I tell my wife, it's like high school. They're all trying to sit at the cool table and be with the cool kids. And I didn't even get into that in high school. I, didn't, I just wanted to have good friends. I didn't care about sitting at the cool table. And the same thing when I go to a pastor's conference. I don't care. I just want to, I go there to learn from the speakers on how to be a better pastor, and, I, and I'm hoping to find some, some good pastors that I can learn from, grow. I don't care what the size you, it could be a small church, big church, doesn't matter. I've learned a lot from guys with small churches and guys with big churches. And so my prayer when I went, and you, it's my prayer every time, is God, just help me make some great relationships, help me to grow. But at this conference, one of my favorite pastors was going to be there. And so I said, Lord... I want to meet him. Lord, if you can let me meet him, right? And it's, it's not like, you know, I'm not trying to become his best friend. I don't want to do a hair with each other after. Like, I just wanted to, right, just to shake his hand. He's, he's like my hero, right? And so it's like Holly's John Stamos. That's the, the same thing. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Are you let you a secret? Or just keep this in the room, all right? When we first got married, and I was putting boxes away, and I, I'm like, and I always want to look what's in the box. I opened up. Now, some of you remember the old photo albums, you know, where you put the pictures in, and they're, they're, and you put the little plastic over the top. She had an entire album of John Stamos. She had more pictures of John than his mother has. So, and you know what? I'll never get rid of it. I still have it today. So, so I, wanted, I said, God, I, want, I just want to meet him. And so I uh, went to the conference and uh, went the night before. And then the next day, I was about to go in, and I got a, a, a phone call from the church, and we had something. I had to, and the phone call took about like 20 minutes to deal with. And so I, when I walked in, uh, I was late, and, and there was uh, praise and worship was done, and uh, there was a speaker that was getting up. And I was all right, because my favorite is going to be the next speaker. And so I'm all right. And as I walked in, it was, it was packed. And there's some seats, but I'm not a guy. I don't want to climb over somebody when the speaker's already talking. So I decided that I'd just go all the way in the back, and I got in the back. I was just going to listen. I sat the whole night before. I thought I'd just stand up, and I just leaned up against the wall. And I'm just sitting there and just leaning up and, and listening to the speaker. And all of a sudden, all the lights went off. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're in California. I'm like, oh, is this an earthquake? Is there a power? What is and then all of a sudden, the lights all went on. And I'm like, okay, well, that was freaky. And then a few seconds later, the right side lights went off, and I went, well, that wouldn't make any sense why only the right side would go off. And then they went on. And then the left and right went off together. And then they went back on. And they went left, right, left, right. And then they're all on. And then there was nothing for a little bit. And all of a sudden, the right went off again. And I'm like, who is running this show? What are they even doing here? Like, this is supposed to be a pro event. You're trying to show us pastors how, how to do stuff. And this is the kind of thing that we run. And out of the corner of my eye, all of a sudden, I see the pastor that I wanted to meet get up right? And it looked like, I'm like, he must be going to the bathroom. And my mind shoot. I'm like, okay, so should I run over? I'm like, well, that'd be creepy, like a stalker. How do I, like, I don't want to just walk over to him. And I just said, God, you know what? No, you'll find a way during this weekend. You'll find, you'll bring him to me. And all of a sudden I notice he's walking right towards me. And I'm looking around. There's nobody else around. 
I'm like, he's coming to talk to me. I'm like, God, you find a way to bless me in whatever I'm doing. I'm like, he's coming to talk. Why would he come talk to me? I'm like, because I'm awesome, right? This is so great. Maybe he's always wanted to meet me. And so I don't know. And so as he gets close, right, I go with a big smile and I put my hand out and he shakes my hand and he's coming in close. I'm like, a hug? He's coming in for a hug? Get on in here. Get in daddy's bear claws here. And so I come in, but then he kind of pushes me off like he didn't want a hug. And I'm like, oh, he's a hug tease. Okay, that's, I get it. A little prude. He didn't want to hug me. That's fine. And so he gets up in my ear and, and he goes, yeah, you're leaning up against the light switches. And, uh, oh, well, yeah, of course. Thank you so much. And then off he went. And that was our conversation that God brought to me. I got to meet him, have him in my world. And then even in the teaching, he's talking about me being a bright light in the back. And then all the pastors during the whole thing would sing this little light of mine. And I met... It's funny how many pastors, I met more pastors that weekend, became lifelong friends than I did at any other conference, that God can use your biggest mistakes to make the biggest impact sometimes in your life. I met him. I don't know if he tells the story the same way I do. Open up your Bibles to Daniel 1.8. Talk about Daniel today. Um, Daniel was an incredible reflection of God. He was an incredible uh, influencer in his time. You know, in an atmosphere that he should have no influence because they're basically caught in slaves. He shouldn't have any influence. You know, slaves can't have influence. He was at the bottom of the bottom. How does he impact anything? But you read the story of Daniel all the way through and you find out somebody on the bottom was the biggest impact. Somebody on the bottom could change an entire nation because they were a reflection of God. And so the king had set up uh, these young men and said, I want these young men uh, to be learning great things, and I want them to eat of my food, because my food's going to make them the strongest, going to make them the best. And Daniel's like, I don't want to eat the king's food. I don't, that's, that's not part of, uh, of who we are. And so we see here in Daniel uh, 8, um, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food. He's, he's like, I don't want to do that and the wine. He asked. Now, somebody say asked, didn't demand, didn't say, this is what I'm going to do, didn't say, hey, right? He just said, hey, this is what I'm thinking, for permission not to eat the food. That's really another translation. He says, I just don't want to eat the food. And you know what? The, the next scripture says, uh, go to verse 9 for me. Now, God caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Daniel went in the right way. He went in, the, in a respectful way, said, hey, I'd like not to do this. How many people know that God then will open up doors for you and for me? That you think, well, how can I possibly ask for that? You know, this is what the business does. This is how they operate. But you just go and go, hey, I'm wondering if I cannot do it that way, but if I can do it this way. And God will find a way to soften up the hearts and to have the favor of God be upon you so that you can do it, not the, maybe the little bit crooked way, the wrong way, but to do it God's way. And so number three with me is, mirror shows no shame. I thought it was really interesting that Daniel didn't go up and tell him everything wrong with eating the king's food. Oh, you guys are sinners. You're horrible. No, you, that, that doesn't work. That's not bad. That's not how you do things. See, 
God's mere because God gives me grace and mercy and gives me forgiveness. That in my reflection, I don't go into the world and tell them everything that they're doing is wrong. I don't have to tell them what they're doing wrong because as a mirror, I just have to show them what God's work does in me that is right. I don't have to tell you how bad you are living your life. Let me show you what it looks like to live a good life and let me reflect God's goodness and mercies. Let me show you what God's power working through me looks like. People don't want to hear what's wrong with them. They just want to see what's going right for you. So I become that reflection. So Daniel didn't go up to him and tell him everything that they were doing wrong. He said, no, let me just show you what it looks like. So number four, show God working. That's what Daniel did. He just showed God working through him. So you could go to maybe sometimes in sales, sometimes they'll have you kind of twist the truth a little bit, right? Kind of tweak things a little, not, not put all the stuff in there. And you decide, you know what? I'm not going to do it that way. I'd like to do it God's way. And you just go to your boss and say, hey, would it be all right if I kind of sell things in this manner right here? You're like, well, that doesn't work. And you're like, that's all right. If you let me try it, I'm going to tell you that something significant is going to happen. And even in your own mind, you're like, I don't know if anybody will buy that. How many people know that God working through you, you end up having more sales than you would have had doing it the other way? Because there's something amazing that God does when I allow the world to see him working through me. And so I show the world what it looks like when God is working through me. I show them what it looks like with integrity. And I let them see what happens in my life when I walk with character. Some of you are teenagers out there, maybe teenage girls. And you know, some girls talking bad about you. And there you go. And you know, your friends are like, oh yeah, you should blah, 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 blah. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to be nice to her. And they're like, what? To that beep? You're like, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to try something. I'm just going to try being nice to her. And in that love and that kindness, right, instead of th making things bigger and worse, God finds a way to give favor and restore some relationships that you thought were impossible. But God, when I allow him to reflect through me, God always shows something bigger and something amazing. You know, everybody else is going out after work. I'm going to go home to my wife and my children. They're like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And guess what? There'll be a period of time when theirs is struggling and they come and they go, okay, can you let me know what you do differently? I don't know. I, I don't understand. Why, why do you get different results? You say, well, it's not me. It's God working through me. Let me share to you a little bit about Jesus Christ in my life. And do you see how big I made God look? I didn't shame anybody. I tell, didn't condemn anybody. But instead, I just showed God's goodness working in my life. I'm a mirror. Somebody say, I'm a mirror. That's what I am. I'm just a mirror. I want to show what looks good. I want to show the great things. Me and uh, Peyton, when we work out at Mountainside Fitness, uh, he already knows what I'm going to say because this is funny. Uh, you know, when you look into a mirror, you don't like give credit to the mirror. I don't look at a mirror and go, oh, that mirror looks good. Yeah. No, no, no. I look good in the mirror. So it's not about me looking good as God's mirror. God looks good in me as a mirror. That's who looks good. I don't praise the mirror. I praise God who I'm reflecting in the mirror. God is the big one in my life. So when I go to Mountainside Fitness, after we get done working out, I love to go into the, the, the bathroom and look in their mirrors because they got hot mirrors. I don't know what they did to the mirrors, but when you look in those mirrors, you look better than you have anywhere else. 
No, they're like, you, some of you know what I'm talking about. They're like muscular. Like, I'm like, oh, wow. I don't, and then I go home, I'm like, oh, what happened? Something happened between there and here. But I wonder if there's some people out there, they're the home mirrors. And when they see God, you, you don't see, right? You don't, you don't see the great God that I know, right? I want to be a mountainside fitness mirror that when people see God in this mirror right here, God looks big. He looks large. He looks in charge. He looks like a miracle worker. He looks like a breakthrough God. He looks like, like somebody that is doing something great in my life. He's a mountainside mirror in my life. So go to the next scripture, Betsy. They showed up 10 days later. He said, I'm going to look at it. Now, 10 days later, they looked much better than the other uh, guys that were eating the king's food. But in a matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. How many people know that God doesn't make you a little better? When I allow God to shine in my life, He makes me 10 times bigger. He makes me 10 times better. He makes the world go. Because He doesn't want to see just a little difference. God wants to see a big difference. The world to see something big that God was working through in our lives. Number five, let God shine through you. Let God shine through you. I want everything that I do that God be shining through me. Give him the glory. Give him the honor. Yeah, but pastor, I, I don't know if I can do the things you're talking about. I struggle with addiction and I, I struggle with this area. And one of, Holly, one of the favorite things that Holly teaches on, I love this. She talks about how everything that you need, God has already provided for you. That it's already there. Whatever problem you have, God has got the solution and he's given you everything available. The problem isn't that it's not available. Oftentimes the problem is, is we can't see it, right? We're not looking for it, in other words. You know, when light is shining on me, I brighten up the world around me. And when I allow God's light to shine, all of a sudden I can see things that I couldn't see available before. I'm like, oh, I didn't know this was there because I was shining the darkness. Darkness just shines more darkness. But when I step into God's love and God's goodness and God's grace and God's mercy, and I become that reflection of light. I begin to notice things. Watch the scripture. 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything. Somebody say everything. I love that. Not some things. Not everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Everything that I need for a great life... Uh, Betsy, throw up verse 4 also. I don't think I, I put it in there, but I don't think... Uh, actually, I'll read it from mine because I have it on my notes here. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Number six, you have all that you need. Everything that I need to show the world how big God is, how great God is, God has already given to me. It's available. And I can see it when I let the light shine. We had stayed in a yurt. I don't know if you know what a yurt is this past Monday and Tuesday. Yurt is like a, a tent and an igloo had a baby. And that's what it is. And it's out in the wilderness. There's no electricity. And it's like this big, round, like, tent thing. It's got a normal door on it, kind of. It's got a wood floor on it. But there's no electricity, and there's just a wood-burning stove in there. And uh, so 
you know, we got there kind of at dusk, and so I was working hard to get with the chopping the wood, and Logan was helping me. He was with us, and, and he was helping me get all the kindling that I needed. Got kindling. So then about 9 o'clock at night, it was getting a little chilly, and so I, I got a fire in our yurt, and then in Savvy and Logan's yurt, I got a little fire using the kindling, and got that, ooh, got nice and warm. It's so warm in there. But about 3 o'clock in the morning, I didn't know if we were going to make it. It was cold. No, it was cold. And so I got up and I went outside and I went to where the kindling was and I was trying to look at the, you know, I had the, the moonlight and I had the little lamp that had a little lantern lamp in there and I was trying, and I knew where I had it and I was able to just find a handful of kindling is all I could find. And I couldn't chop more kindling because there's other yurts around that people are sleeping in. And so I tried a little bit and I was like, oh, that's too loud. And so I went in and with a little bit on and a all of our toilet paper, I was able to get a fire going. Got that one. And then I'm like, oh, I got to go do, you know, the kids. And so I went over there and went outside. Now I, I found like a couple pieces and I tried uh, with toilet paper, use it all. There's a, and I couldn't get the fire going. And at this time, Logan woke up and he's like, can I help? I said, yes, go find me some kindling. I said, don't let a bear get you, but go get kindling. And so he grabbed the lantern and he went outside with the lantern. I didn't grab the lantern because I'm not as smart as a 13 year old. And so he came back about 10 seconds later and he had a handful of kindling more than I, and he goes, here you go. And he, and I went, well, that's too much. Not, that's so much. And he gave me, like, a, it was an unbelievable amount of kindling. And I put it in there and I got the fire. And I go, where did you find it? I was out there. Where's the, where'd you find? He goes, oh, there's a ton of it. I go, well, it's not, a, now you're exaggerating. There's not a ton of kindling. He goes, Scott, Scott, there's a lot out there. I go, stop it. There's not a lot. You just got lucky, whatever. So in the morning, here's, a, here's the video. I, I'll show you this video. So I'm staying in this, like, Ute. I call it a ute. It's a yard. Electricity, just like a little fireplace in there. So in the middle of that, that's freezing. The uh, fire goes out. So I get firewood. I can't get it started because I need kindling. Right? And it's dark. And I can't find any kindling anywhere. Looking, looking all, just getting little scraps, little pieces. Well, Logan's up here. He comes. I said, go find a kindling. I'm going to do it. Well, in the morning, he, he told me, he's like, there's tons out there. I'm like, stop it. There's not tons. <laughs> <laughs> you see how much kindling there is? No, that's so much kindling. That's an unreasonable amount of kindling. Nobody needs that much kindling ever. And what I'm trying to point out to you is though you think you ain't got what you got, everything that you need, not just enough, but more than an abundance is available to you. Whatever problem you think, yeah, Pastor, I got an addiction. Yeah, the self-control that you need is right there available. God says, through me, you'll beat that addiction. That disease and that sickness, God says the healing is available for you. It's right there. It's more than you need. That teenager, you don't know what to do with. God says, I know what I can do through you with that teenager. God has given you everything I need to live the life that God has designed me to live, that I can live in joy. I can live in peace. I can live free of cancer, free of diabetes, free of sickness. I don't have to have stress. I don't have to have worry. Everything that I need in this lifetime has been made available to me. It's right there for my yurt. My yurt has been stocked up. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know where you're going to end up one day when you die, 
I want to give you that opportunity to get saved. It's simple. It's easy. You don't have to jump through a whole bunch of hoops. You don't have to be perfect. All you have to do is believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead. I get it. You're going to make some more mistakes. We all do. But it doesn't take away your salvation. When I believe, I'm saved. Say this prayer with me. Believe it in your heart and you're saved. Dearly Father, I ask you right now, come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. You're saved. Make sure you get yourself in a church. Be blessed. We'll see you next week.